0: Dragnet The Jack Benny Program I'm that man, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal George Burns and Gracie Allen
1: Good evening, friends of the inner sanctum We offer you Escape Follow Miss Brooks Suspense Richard Diamond, Private Detective
0: Fibber McGee and Molly The Great Gildersleeve Radio Theater In the air
2: Dedicated to man's imagination. The theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN Stanford, aren't you? WGN Radio Theater. A special three-hour presentation with
3: Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, about seven minutes after 11 p.m. here on the WGN Radio Theater. And this is program 406 in the series. It's July 21st. To my right, the vivacious Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Uh,
4: 406. Have I ap- actually been sitting here? Actually, Actually, yes, been, actually been sitting here for over 400 have. shows with you. Gosh. That's a feat in the I of itself. I am
3: really lucky. Aren't you? Man. I know. I will say so. <laughs> yes, you are. Shante Garth, our producer, is <laughs> in the booth. And tonight... We have classic radio shows for you, including "Dangerous Assignment" from 1949, starring Brian Donlevy. Then Marie Wilson stars as Irma Peterson on "My Friend Irma." So we have a uh, kind of a spy show and then a comedy. Plus, we're going to play our game: is it real or is it ridiculous? Brought to you by Cats Pride.
4: And the game is real, and the celebrity is Danny DeVito. And uh, we're going to ask-
3: someone shorter than me
4: mm yeah. Uh, it's a toss-up. Yes, he he's shorter and than me. man. It's Positive pretty close. Depth. It's pretty close, though. Maybe half an inch. That's about <laughs> it. And uh we're going to have our good friend Roger Baddish joining us in the studio. Oh, to play really? Little really ridiculous. We will. We will. Well, great. Yeah. How do you like that? He's reclining here. What collar would you taking like? Taking a little relaxation. Uh We're going to go with caller number five, three, one, two, nine, eight, one, seventy-two hundred, and we will be giving away a Lou Melnardi's gift certificate. Oh my! That is the best of the best pizza. So so call now. We'll be right back. We have Dan on the phone. Hey, Dan.
0: Hello,
5: Lisa. How are you? Tonight?
4: I'm, I'm great. How are you?
5: It's been a beautiful day. No
3: heat.
4: That is absolutely true. And it's even better now because you're already a winner. But we'll play a game and have some fun first. Hi, Dan. Thank you okay hello
3: carl how are you i'm well thank you how are you
4: and we've got roger Uh, playing along as well
3: all right lots of lifelines
4: okay here we go number one uh this is danny devito he and his wife Rhea perlman starred together in the movie james and the giant peach based on roald dahl's novel is that real or ridiculous
0: uh i don't remember him
3: in it so i'm gonna say ridiculous wasn't that an animated movie Yes. Oh, yeah. So they were voices. You're, you're saying they were voices. I'm I, gonna. I'm gonna agree with Dan. Ridiculous. I'm gonna go real.
4: It's ridiculous, All right. But I will say that it was Matilda was what they start. That's what right. Their voices yes. Matilda. Started. I remember that was that's All right. Matilda. So
3: here is for Dan and Carl. And here is for
4: Roger. You were out of turn, Carl. It was Roger's turn after Dan.
3: But that's you'll... all right. But he did it. I'm for,
4: sorry,
2: because they both got it right.
4: Yes, they did get it right. Number did two. I, did I? No, it supersedes you <laughs> or something. To do
3: it three different times. Okay. Okay.
4: Number two. <laughs> I
3: I I mess everything up.
4: I know. Number two. In 2011, he received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Dan, is that real or ridiculous?
6: Uh, did-
0: uh, sounds ridiculous
4: because he probably got it before that,
7: so I'm going to say ridiculous.
4: Roger? I'll go ridiculous. All right. <laughs> he does that every time. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say real. Really? You are right. Carl oh, yeah. is right. It is
3: absolutely oh, true. man. Carl, you're right. This on is for you row. guys. This is for Uh-oh. Dan and Roger. Uh-huh. And here's for moi. <laughs>
4: All right. He played. Two for here two. Here we go. He played McMurphy in the 1975 film One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Really
3: ridiculous?
0: Uh, I believe McMurphy was Jack Nicholson, so I'm going to say
3: ridiculous. Yeah, I'm going to say ridiculous. Uh, definitely ridiculous. Definitely Although ridiculous. Although he was in the movie. Yeah. He
4: definitely was, but he was martini. Yeah. yeah.
3: All right. So, so we all got there. You're all on the right. board <laughs> on
4: that one. And the great news here is, Dan, you're already the big winner. You have won a Lumel gift certificate, and Lumel is home of Chicago's best deep Wait a pizza. minute. What do
3: I win? I'm three for three. You, you are just the admiration. big winner
4: of WGN Radio <laughs> Theater. You can find one of their 40-plus Chicagoland locations, online. I'm order coming over online. to Dan's house
3: having a piece of I'm pizza with I'm
4: coming, too, him. online. At Loomelnati's it's twenty five dollars. You can have a great pizza, and that's our favorite. As you can tell, yeah. we're uh, we're drooling over here. So I hope I you love, enjoy that. I love What's your favorite kind of pizza? Uh,
0: you got your pepperoni and uh, maybe something
3: like uh, mushrooms. Something like I'm that. I'm there.
4: I, well, I'll have the I'll have the vegetable part, but it's all good. We're all in. <laughs> well,
3: <laughs> all right.
4: Thanks a lot for thanks, playing. Dan. <laughs> Thank you very much. All Take right, care.
3: you got it, buddy. All right, he's a big winner. And, uh, so our, our listeners, because we have classic radio coming your way, our text in line is 312-981-7200. We love getting your texts. We got lots of texts on, uh, Lisa's brain picture yesterday, Roger. Oh, we yeah. did. Um, thanks yeah. for bringing in the x-ray really machine. Yeah. If you haven't seen uh, a picture of Lisa's brain, I'm holding it in mm-hmm. the, in the, uh, picture. Just go to Facebook and uh, search WGN Radio Theater. You will see a picture of Lisa's brain.
4: Yep. And, uh, Again, we've got our text in line three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. Love to hear from you. Check out our Facebook page and uh, what else? We're all good.
3: I, I'm I'm ready to hear. You some know, we're ready to hear right? some and, radio. And, you know, uh, yeah. holding that brain—it's yeah. a lot heavier and bigger, bigger than I thought. Really? What? what yeah.
4: my, are you talking about my brain? Yeah.
3: It's heavier <laughs> and bigger than I thought. Did we finally get a number on how many ridges? Uh, Seventy-two for seven seven hundred and twenty. No, seven hundred
4: twenty ridges. Yeah.
3: Somebody, uh, we did have one. We, we did
4: have one winner on there. Somebody <laughs> texted in the exact right number 720. Seven,
3: 720. That's that why I
4: work perfect. at WGN. Did you know that? No, I had Well, no since idea. there were seven twenty, I felt like this was a place for me. W G M AM yeah. seven twenty. It, it made the, right the most sense.
3: Right. It wasn't Carl eight something and, and it then, wasn't six something. <laughs> our numbers are a little askew. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mine smooth. I don't have any ridges in mine. Brain. It's just a smooth brain.
4: You're a smooth <laughs> <Very> operator. Smooth operator. Sade, right? Yeah. Shot day, right? Yeah.
3: yeah. Ah. Not bad. Well, that was one ridge in my brain that yeah, knew it was shot day. It at. popped up. Yeah, and it popped up. Down. Yeah. All right, well, it's time for Dangerous Assignment. This was a spy drama. Brian Donlevy starred as U.S. secret agent Steve Mitchell, and he was sent to exotic foreign locations to troubleshoot for the USA. And it came to radio in 1949, lasted until 1953. Herb Butterfield played the commissioner who briefed Mitchell on his dangerous assignment. It transitioned to syndicated TV in the 1950s with 39 episodes. Roger, you'll find this interesting. So, Dangerous Assignment, very popular show on radio. Right. And then when television came to be in the late 40s, early 50s, nobody wanted the show. And right. so Brian Donlevy, he said, Well, you know what? I want the show on TV. I'm going to fund it myself. Oh, really? He funded yeah. 39 episodes out of his own pocket, and he syndicated it, and he charged anywhere between, like, Mm -hmm. to like $2,500, depending on the market. Sure. And he did very well with it. He put his money where his mouth was. That's great, and where that. his uh, dangerous and the show, assignment of course, was
2: served as the basis
3: for a lot of other shows that have come on TV that have that same premise. Yeah, so he's kind of like 20. a James Bond type of guy. Yeah, let's tune this in. Going back to July sixteenth, nineteen forty nine, he's off to Saigon, and there's some sunken ships. He has to figure it all out. Here's Brian Donlevy, part one now of Dangerous Assignment.
2: National Broadcasting Company brings you Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell in
8: Dangerous
2: Assignment.
9: Over here. Here I am with the boat. Swim over this way. Here, let me help you, I bold Give me your hand.
8: Come on.
1: You set the charge of natural glycerin? Good. And no one saw you leave the ship? Ah, right on schedule. The ship goes to the bottom, and only the two of us know the location.
6: <laughs>
1: and now... Wait. Wait, No. No, put down the knife. No,
6: no,
8: no, no! Oh.
2: Three ships sunk in two weeks, Steve. And the last one cost the lives of six passengers.
7: But, Commissioner, why send me halfway around the world just because three ships were
2: sunk? Steve, those ships carried U.S. rehabilitation supplies. I see. Now, as usual, you'll pose as a foreign correspondent.
10: Here's your press credentials, Steve. Your passport and plane ticket.
2: Ruth,
7: did you say plane ticket? You take off in two hours. Now, look, I was figuring on a little deal. Can't it wait till tomorrow?
2: No, it can't wait. And that's another thing, Steve. On this assignment, there's to be no women and no gambling. It's strictly business, dangerous business.
7: Okay, Commissioner.
2: All right, Steve. Your first stop in Saigon is the Malayan Star Lines. The manager's name is Brevon. You've got your assignment. Get going. You've seen him in The Great McGinty, as Major Devereaux in Wake Island, as Trampas in The Virginian. Now, here is our star, Brian Donnelly, in another two-fisted portrayal as Steve Mitchell in Dangerous Assignment. <laughs> the time, now. The place, Saigon, inscrutable city of the Orient where the ancient and the modern rub elbows in the narrow, crowded streets. Saigon, city of intrigue, of shadows, of forgotten men, of danger.
7: Mr. Bravant, I believe you're in charge of the Malian Star Lines here in Saigon.
1: That is correct, monsieur. Mitchell, Steve Mitchell. I'm a foreign correspondent. I just flew in. I'd like an interview. There's not much of which to talk. Three ships of our lines here for Singapore. The first night out in explosion, they are gone. Just like that, huh? We oui, just like that. Could uh,
7: I take a look at the passenger list for those three ships? Certainly. I have them on my desk.
1: Thank you. You don't carry many passengers? Only a few. Any survivors? From the first sinking, none. From the third sinking, also none. How about the second? One. Who is it? An Englishman named Dixon, the cook. Is he
7: around anywhere? I'd like to talk to him.
1: Aran, tell the Englishman Dixon to come to my office.
7: Most of your crews have been with the line quite a while.
1: It is the exception rather than the rule, monsieur. Out here, one must take what men one can get. I see. What kind of cargo were your ships carrying? That is the mystifying part, monsieur. Here are the cargo lists. As you see, the Malayan star lines carry American rehabilitation supplies... Tickwood, spices, rubber, the usual. This, uh, teakwood, I notice all of it comes from the same place. Yes, the plantation of Monsieur Surat. It is inland, up the Saigon River. Come in. You wanted to see me, Mr. Bravant? Uh, Oui, yes. Uh, This gentleman is Monsieur Mitchell, a journalist. Nice to meet you, sir.
7: Hi. Uh, Mr. Bravant tells me you're the only survivor from the second sinking. I'm the only one from any of them. That makes you pretty lucky, doesn't it? (laughs) Lucky ain't half of it. Look, uh, did you notice anything unusual aboard your ship before the explosion? Well, I was back aft, getting a breath of air before turning in, I was. And I noticed a silhouette of a small boat in the moonlight. Off our starboard beam, she was. And running without lights. Without lights? That's right. Anything else? I didn't have time to notice anything else, mister. Because just then there's a
0: sheet of flame... The whole ship goes up in the air, and the next thing I know, I'm holding on to a spar in the water for dear life.
8: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
7: Have you any idea what your ship's
1: position was when she went down?
0: Near as I can figure, we was in shoal water
5: close to Polo Condori.
1: That is an island a hundred miles off the coast of Indochina, monsieur. But, of course, it is but a guess. We have no way of knowing the exact location. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for the information.
7: I think it ought to make a good yarn. Do you intend to remain here in Saigon long? Well, oh, that depends. I'd like to talk to Mr. Surratt, the plantation owner. Do you know where I might find him?
1: There is a gambling casino just down the street, monsieur. If he is in Saigon, he will be there. Good. I'm beginning to feel lucky. I am certain you will not lack four games of chance in Saigon, monsieur. I personally find gambling a bore, but it would seem I am in the minority. Yeah, I guess you are.
7: Well... Thanks for the story. I'll see you around.
1: Hmm. He's an inquisitive gent, ain't he, Mr. Bravon? Yes. He is indeed. Newspaper chappers, he? That is what he said. Dixon, tell Aran to answer my telephone for me. I'm going out for a while. <laughs>
6: Sixteen, All right.
2: Even. Sorry, Monsieur. You lose again. Look,
7: this game is slow death. Haven't you got something with a little more action in it? And Monsieur would perhaps prefer the dice table downstairs. That's a thought. Thanks. Oh. 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 oh I beg your pardon.
11: Oh no, it is my fault, Monsieur.
7: <laughs> Let me pick up your chair.
11: Oh, you are most kind, Monsieur. It was very clumsy of me.
7: As a matter of fact, I bumped into you deliberately. It was the only way I could think of to meet you.
11: Monsieur has a ready
8: week.
7: <laughs> if you're looking for something to tack on after the monsieur, it's Mitchell. Steve Mitchell.
11: They call me Léana, monsieur.
7: <laughs> they picked a nice name. Well, here are your chips.
11: You pick up my chips and my luck with them. You must allow me to buy you a drink, huh? You see, I am superstitious.
7: Good, so am I. And having a drink with you is suddenly a superstition of mine.
11: <laughs> Let us go to the bar. Leanna, Léana.
7: Well, I should have known you wouldn't be alone.
11: It is only my brother, monsieur.
0: Oh, where are you going, Liana?
11: It is all right, Matik. I'm sure the American will take good care of me. Uh, Monsieur Steve Mitchell, my brother, Matik.
0: Hello.
1: Your servant, Effendi.
11: Here, Matik, you play some of my chips while we have our drink. Come along, Steve.
7: You uh, live here in Saigon, Liana?
11: For the most part. But I'm restless. I travel a lot. Tomorrow night I leave for Singapore.
7: Oh, I guess my luck hasn't changed after all. I will not be gone long. How are you going to Singapore?
11: I travel by tramp, Stephen. It is not so boring.
7: Oh, not on the melee star lines?
11: Why, yes. Ah, here we are.
7: Sort of crowded right here. Why don't we move down to the other end?
6: Uh, there all is
11: right.
0: room here. I will move over. Oh, thank you. No trouble, sir. No trouble at all.
11: What will you have, Stephen? Bourbon and... Uh, hey. What is it?
7: I just saw someone I know, Leona. Uh, excuse me just a minute.
11: Of course. Be back in a minute. I will order the drink.
0: Well, my dear.
11: He seems interested in the Malayan star line, sir.
0: You think he is involved?
11: It is possible.
0: Very well. I will proceed on that assumption. Boy, come here.
5: Oui, monsieur.
0: I want a message delivered for me.
1: Good evening, Mr. Bravant. Oh, Monsieur Mitchell, is it not? Have you written your story yet? Not yet. I'm a little
7: surprised to see you here at the casino. When we talked this afternoon, you told me gambling bored
1: you. It does. But I do find interest in observing gamblers, Monsieur. Particularly when high stakes are involved. Oh? Monsieur, I congratulate you on the speed with which you have made yourself acquainted in Saigon. What do you mean? Did I not observe you conversing at the bar with Surat? Surratt?
7: The stout gentleman. You mean the guy who was standing next to me, the one with the face like a toad?
1: (laughs) Your description does not flatter him, but it is accurate. Mm. Well, thanks, Surratt. I'll
7: see you around.
1: Undoubtedly, monsieur.
7: I'm sorry I took so long, Leone.
11: Oh, it is quite all right. Well, here is your drink.
7: Thanks. Say, uh, what happened to the guy who was next to me here, the one who moved over to make room?
11: Oh, I did not know Steve. I was not noticing. Hmm. Surratt. Is that his name?
7: Yeah. Well,
11: cheers. Cheers. Monsieur Mitchell. Steve Mitchell. Over here, boy. You are a busy man, Steve.
7: (laughs) I seem to be. Monsieur Mitchell? Yeah, what is it?
5: Uh, You are wanted outside, monsieur.
7: Oh, by whom?
5: Oh, he not give name, monsieur,
11: but he say quite urgent. Okay,
6: here.
11: Oh, thank you, monsieur. Well, I know, I know. You will be gone but a minute. Yes, I will wait for you. <laughs>
5: Mitchell, Effendi. Who are you? You are Steve Mitchell.
7: What do you want, a calling card? Yeah, I'm Steve Mitchell. I suppose you tell me why you got me out here.
5: I am Dalai. I suggest that we walk, Effendi.
7: Oh. You always suggest with a gun, Dalai?
5: When it is necessary, Effendi. Come.
7: Mind telling me where we're going?
5: Certainly not. Right around the corner here. And into the alley.
7: Cozy in here.
5: And dark, Effendi.
7: Wait a minute. Looks like we've got company in here.
5: It is but my friend, Banjak Effendi.
7: Oh, hello. What's the matter? Is he bashful?
5: He cannot speak. His tongue was removed by force some years ago. But he is strong and willing. Banjak. Why, you... That. Reminder from Banjak will serve to open the conversation. Look, I don't know what this is all about. To be brief, Effendi, you have information which I require. The locations are the three sunken ships. The
7: ships? You think I know where they were sunk?
5: Banjak, look. Perhaps that will refresh your memory.
7: How can I tell you the location when I don't know? Them? Again, Banjak. I tell you, this isn't going to do you any good. I don't know where those ships were sunk.
5: Very well. If you intend to be stubborn, you may proceed, Banjak. I told you not to resist. Well, you think I'm
7: going to stand here and let this big ape make mince meat out of me? Very well, Effendi.
5: It is a pity the Effendi bleeds so easily, Banjak. But I must not deprive you of extended enjoyment. You may kick him. I will tell you when to stop.
2: The National Broadcasting Company is bringing you Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell in the second of an exciting new adventure series, Dangerous Assignment.
3: All right, that's the second episode, at least, in the series. First portion right there of uh, this July 16th, 1949 broadcast, Saigon and the Sunken Ships. Brian Donlevy, we'll get back to it in just a few minutes.
2: (music) Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolfe.
3: Thanks, Vic. It is eleven forty on a Sunday evening, and we are playing "Dangerous Assignment." After "Dangerous Assignment," we have my friend Irma. Good comedy, but right now, the conclusion. Brian Donlevy stars in "Dangerous Assignment."
2: The time, the next morning. The place, a luxuriously furnished bedroom in a spacious villa near
1: Saigon, overlooking the sea.
8: Oh.
1: Ah, you are awake at last, Defendi.
7: Eh, you can call it that. Well, hey, wait a minute. You're Liana's brother, aren't you? Matik, your servant, Defendi. Look, would you mind telling me how I got into this harem? <laughs>
1: You are in the house of my sister,
7: Liana. How did I get here? Well, Liana became worried when you did not return to the casino last night. We went outside to look for you and found you crawling out of the alley badly beaten. So we brought you home with us. You are all bloody. How do you feel now? All bloody? Hey, help me out of this mink-lined cradle, will you? Oh, of course. Where are my pants? Hey, wait a minute. No, 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 no. It was I who put you to bed. And here are your pants. Oh, thanks. Where's Liana? Swimming in the ocean. Come. You can see her out the window. Hey, she's quite a swimmer, isn't she? Does she always swim out that far? Oh, yes. Every morning. <laughs> I'm not that ambitious this morning, but a dip would do me good. A swimmer, yourself. <laughs> Thanks. Oh. That water made me feel almost human again. Any cigarettes around here?
11: Uh, right here on my robe. Hey. Ah. Here you are. <laughs> <sighs> you uh, you look much better than when we found you last night, dear.
7: You know, you've taken off a good care of me, Liana. Why?
11: Why? Oh, perhaps. Perhaps there have been... So many places, many times, many men in my life. And with me, there's always been the same. But then last night, I saw you, and I knew you were something different.
8: How different? Hmm.
11: That make your bruises feel better.
7: It helps, you know. That's a kind of medicine I could get
11: addicted to, Liana. Perhaps. Perhaps when I return from Singapore, there will be more time to become addicted. Maybe. When do you sail? At eight tonight. On the Malayan Queen.
7: I guess my luck's still no good. <laughs> okay, look, I gotta go back to my hotel and pick up a change of clothes. But anyway, I'll be down to see you off tonight.
0: Hey, how'd you get in here? I am Surratt. I learned you were registered at this hotel, so I took the liberty of waiting here in your room. Quite a liberty, wasn't it? When occasion demands it. The courtesies must be omitted. What's the occasion? I will be brief. Mr. Mitchell, I will assume you are a man who is interested in money. That's a safe assumption, Surratt. I believe you're in possession of certain information, which is of value to me. Here we go again. Sir? Look, you happen to know
7: a couple of cutthroats named... Dali and Benjack? Benjack's a big lug with no tongue.
0: Dali, and Benjack? I have not had the pleasure of their acquaintance, sir. Oh, it's no pleasure, believe me. Sir? I'll skip it. Now, what's this
7: about certain information I have?
0: I will not waste words. Ten thousand American dollars for the location of the sunken ships. Ten thousand? Means a lot to you, doesn't it?
7: You've been shipping teakwood on the and star line, haven't you?
0: From my plantation up the river, sir. It is a matter of record. I didn't know Teakwood was that valuable. i repeat my offer. Ten thousand American dollars. Uh, I'll have to have a little time to think it over, Surratt. I cannot grant you much time, sir. I am sailing tonight on the Malayan Queen. You have until 7.30 this evening. Okay. I will expect your answer before sailing time. Until then, good day, sir.
7: Uh, Mr. Bravant, please.
1: I am sorry, sir, but he's gone. Gone? Yes, sir, on a business trip. He is sailing in half an hour on the Malayan
8: Queen.
7: Could, could you get word to him that, uh, uh... Never mind, I'll call you back. Come in. Mitchell. Dixon, what's the matter? A
5: knife in my back.
0: What happened? Malayan Queen, ready to sail. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I saw someone go aboard that
7: was on the other ship. You mean the ship that was sunk? Yes. Who was it? Followed me here and stabbed me. Who stabbed you? I ah. Dixon. Dixon. Sorry to keep you waiting, Mr. Mitchell, but I don't leave the bridge until we're out of the channel. That's okay, Captain. I'd like you to look at these credentials. They'll explain who I am and why I'm aboard your ship. Hmm. You're investigating the recent sinkings. Yes, Captain. A couple of people seem awfully interested in the location of those sunken ships. I'm kicking an idea around that maybe there was something pretty valuable aboard them. Hmm. What would it be? I don't know. Are you carrying the same sort of cargo on this ship that was on the others? Yes, as far as I know. Another shipment of teak wood from Surratt's plantation? There is. Also some American rehabilitation supplies. Mm. Tell me, could those rehabilitation supplies be salvaged after they were sunk? Oh, no, no. The water had ruined. Mm. Captain, suppose you wanted to sink a ship and recover something from it later. What? Where would you sink it? Uh, I suppose in shallow water. Yeah. Now, what's the first shallow water we'll be passing through tonight? Well, let's see. We'll pass through the Diablo Shoals a little after midnight. Depth there is only 15 fathoms. I see. Is that the passenger list on your desk? Yes. Here. Hmm. Yeah, looks like the gang's all here. Bravant Liana, her brother Matique, and Surat. Captain, I need your full cooperation. Why, certainly. What is it? I'd like you to order these four passengers to be in Bravant's stateroom three hours from now at 11 tonight.
0: Brevant, I demand an explanation of this, being hauled up to your cabin like a common criminal. But, Monsieur Surgat, I am as much in the dark as you. I do not think it necessary to point out that this may cost you my business, Bravant. If you would only tell us the reason for all this, Effendi Bravant.
11: Matique, I am sure there must be a good reason for all this. If we are but patient, we will learn what it is.
0: Here is the man who is responsible, Monsieur Mitchell. Steve! Hello, Liana. Matique. Your servant, Effendi. Good evening, sir. Sirat. Apparently, you forgot our appointment, Mr. Mitchell.
7: I didn't forget it. I had a couple of other things to
0: take care of. Perhaps, sir, you'll be good enough to explain what this is all about. Sure, I'll explain. I'll make it short.
7: I think one of you is responsible for the sinkings of those three ships. You are
11: joking, Steve.
7: Sorry, Leona. But
11: but to suggest that I could have anything to do with it.
7: You're a good swimmer. I'm afraid I'll have to count you in.
11: Oh, it's so ridiculous to think that I or my brother could be involved in such a thing. You make a serious charge against us, offending
1: I know. This is an insult to my long use of service on the line.
0: Perhaps it is a serious charge as far as the others are concerned, Mr. Mitchell. But to suspect that I am involved is ridiculous. Much valuable teakwood of mine was sunk with those ships. Yeah.
7: And maybe it's more valuable than I thought at first. What do you mean by that, sir? I'll let it ride for the time being because I've got another piece of news for you. Of course, it isn't really news to one of you.
11: What do you mean, Steve?
7: There was a ship's cook named Dixon, survivor of one of the sinkings. Tonight... He saw one of you come aboard. He recognized you as being on that other ship. So whichever one of you it was killed him to shut his mouth.
0: I assure you this is the first of these ships I've been aboard, sir, and also the last.
7: One of you four is the killer and dynamiter. That person has a bomb planted on this ship and plans to dive overboard before the explosion. And that explosion is due for about midnight, 45 minutes from now. Steve, this is ridiculous. Is it? Just keep your eyes on that clock, all of you. Nobody's going to leave this cabin for the next 45 minutes. We're going to sweat it out together. Just watching that minute hand creep around to midnight. 11.30. Anyone feel like talking yet? Really, Mitchell. Really,
9: what? Haven't Brabant? you
11: carried this silly joke far enough, Steve?
9: There is only one way to prove he is mistaken in his suspicions, Leanna. That is to wait.
7: Can't we get a little air into this cabin? It's so infernally hot. You know something, Surratt? It's gonna get a lot hotter. Seven minutes to midnight. We reach shallow water in about ten minutes. That means ten minutes before the ship gets blown up. Anybody's tongue loosening up? Surratt? I demand to be released from this pest hole. Bravant? You must be insane. Liana? To think I once considered you. Yeah, to... yeah, save the romance. Matik, how about you? You feel like talking? When one knows nothing, one can say nothing offended. Okay, keep watching that minute, Anne, hmm?
8: <laughs>
0: I can't stand this any longer. I've got to get out of here. You've got to let me go. So you're the one, Sarat? No, no, no. You must believe me. I would be the last one in the world to blow those ships up. Why? Sarat! There's, there's gold hidden in those crates of teak wood.
7: Sarat,
11: you fool. He was only bluffing. Now you have told him. You haven't
0: told me enough. Keep talking.
7: Uh, I have nothing more to say. Look, Sarat. Three ships have been sunk on account of this. Now open up. Start talking. No, no. I... You better talk before I beat it out of you. Now spill it. All right,
0: all right. During the war, an air raid, a ship carrying gold bullion steamed up the river to escape. But it was sunk near my plantation. I think I can take it from there. You recovered the gold, and this is the way you've been
7: sneaking it out of Indochina, huh? Hidden in crates of teakwood?
0: Yes, it was Liana's
7: Shut idea. Shut up,
6: Sirat.
0: But someone must have found out about the gold and has been sinking the ships. Yeah, in shallow water so they can get
7: the gold later. Effendi Mitchell, now that we know Surratt is guilty, you will please allow me to leave. I have a headache. Mitchell, it is almost midnight. Yeah, nobody's leaving until I find out who's mined this ship. But Effendi Mitchell, I... You keep looking at your watch, Matique. Why? Matique...
11: Matik, what is the ma Mateek, you didn't. You did. You put the explosives on
8: this ship, too. You were going to jump overboard and leave me here, you fool.
7: Where'd you plant it, Matik? Where did
0: you plant it? Let me out of here. You're not going anywhere. The glycerin will explode in two minutes. Mateek, you sank those ships. You and Liana betrayed me. Very well. Surratt, put that gun away. Surratt! Sur- Sur- and for you, Sur- Liana. Sur- Sur-
7: Stand that gun, Bravant. Wait, wait, oui. oui Matique, oui. Mat- where's the uh, nitrogrycerin? and where is it? Surrat, you jughead. You killed the only man who knew where it was hidden. We've got a minute and 50 seconds to find that nitro. Genius.
1: Any ideas, Bravant? Matique could not have put it below decks. Men are stationed all over the ship. It must be in this cabin. Come oh, on. Come on.
6: Awesome.
7: Get back, Bravant. Oui, we. Oui. Take that side of the room. I'll take this. All right. It's gotta be in here somewhere. It's going to be.
1: There's nothing over here, Mitchell. Wait a
7: minute, listen. There's something kicking. Yes, yes, I hit it! Under the bunk. Look that black suitcase.
2: Easy. Throw oh, it overboard. Throw it overboard quick. Yeah, I gotta get out of the way, Vermont.
0: I gotta get it over the rail. Hurry, Mitchell. Hurry. Only a few seconds more it will explode through it as far as you can. You don't have to tell me that. In the deck. Mitchell! Are you all right, Mitchell?
7: Yeah except that I'm about five years older, Captain. Whew, that was close. Yeah, too close. Probably buckled if you were the ship's plates. Eh, well, you better put Surratt under arrest. You can turn him over to the authorities when the ship reaches port. Yeah. Chances of getting the gold that's already been sunk are pretty slim, but there's probably a lot of it still at Surratt's
1: plantation. The government can check that. Mitchell, allow me to say, I have never seen one so calm in the face of danger. All the time we were waiting in my cabin after I realized what your plan was, my heart was in my throat. You think mine wasn't? It was choking me.
7: (laughs) Uh, Look at me, Bravant. I look like a fairly intelligent guy, don't I? Well, yes, of course. With a normal assortment of brains. Certainly. And a reasonable amount of common sense. But of course. And will you tell me something? What is it? Why did I ever get myself mixed up in a job like this?
2: You have just heard the second in an exciting new adventure series, Dangerous Assignment starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Dangerous Assignment is written by Bob Reif and directed by Bill Karn, with music by Bruce Ashley. Be with us again next week at this same time when Brian Donlevy, starring as Steve Mitchell, will embark on another Dangerous Assignment. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
3: That's Dangerous Assignment from July 16th, 1949. Saigon, Sunken Ships with Brian Donlevy. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Polly Dent. <laughs> they sounded just like It was her. like
4: an octave higher huh. than that. Polly dent. There you go. Is that not bad, right? No, that was excellent. Oh, thanks,
3: Lisa. <laughs> uh, all right, so in our next hour, we're going to tune into a very funny episode of My Friend Irma. You like the comedies, right? I sure
4: do. Yeah,
3: Marie Wilson, and she was fun. a looker. She was a looker, that Marie Wilson. She <laughs> was. She was. And also, Kathy Lewis is her um, roommate, Jane Stacy good episode of my friend irma coming your way
2: back to wgn radio theater with earl amari and lisa wolf
3: Thank you, Vic. It is eight minutes after midnight here. It's uh, Monday morning, and it's your daughter's birthday. It is. It's Marissa's birthday. It's Marissa's birthday. She's Aww, 22. That's nice. It's happy nice. birthday. Yeah. Uh, happy Monday to you, Lisa, and to all our you listeners. Too. Thanks for staying up late with us in this hour. My friend Irma from 1948. Marie Wilson stars good comedy. Um, we have our game, Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous? brought to you by Cat's Pride. Yes, and the uh,
4: celebrity is Jerry Seinfeld. Everybody loves Jerry. And we are going to be giving away a gift certificate for Lumel Malnati's, our favorite pizza. Wow. So um, I guess we're going to go with caller number three. So call in right now, 312-981-7200. Call now, caller three. We'll be right back.
8: Come on, baby.
4: All right, So it's a big night for Dan because we've got another Dan on this uh, wow. this hour. Hi, Dan.
3: Hi, guys. How are you?
4: Good. How are you?
3: I'm doing well. Terrific. All right. Glad
4: you made it through. We're gonna. You're already Both a winner. Winners
3: are Dan tonight. I know.
4: Well, too. That's absolutely <laughs> right. But we're, you're a different Dan, so it's all good. And um, we're gonna do a little Jerry Seinfeld, real ridiculous. Okay. I'm ready. All right. Number one, Jerry Seinfeld himself is the only actor to appear in every episode of the Seinfeld show. Is that real or ridiculous?
3: Huh? That's a good
1: question. Uh, Boy, that is a good one. Yeah, I'm going to say that's false or uh, ridiculous.
3: (laughs) So can you say the question again, Lisa? Jerry Seinfeld.
4: Mm -hmm is the only actor to appear in every episode of the Jerry Seinfeld show.
3: Wow. Well, so what happens if, let's say, Elaine was in every one of them? Then it would be ridiculous, right? I think so. All right, I'm going to say real. Real. It's real. Yeah. All right. Oh, it is so real. What He's did you, you say, Dan? One... Did you say ridiculous? Yeah, I was thinking George was probably in every episode. Well. I,
4: I mean, I, I, I do copious research here. So. <laughs> so,
3: <laughs> I trust you. Dan, that's what, that's un- unfortunately, <laughs> Dan, this is for you. Oh, wait. That's oh. mine. That's mine. God. This is for you, Dan. Here.
4: You know what, Dan? We'll take the first wait one. A you know, I'm,
3: I'm four <laughs> yeah. out of four.
4: All right. Well, it's not over Something, till it's over.
3: Something's not right. The moon Something and the stars right. are because We're, I've gotten everyone. You know, so every people one are
4: texting right. in that they're a little bit scared that you've gotten them all right tonight. I promise so. I didn't
3: look at your answers. Oh, either. I wouldn't. I did that you. in school a lot. I bet
4: we, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. Okay, that's how two. I got to be
3: an astronaut, Dan. Mm-hmm. Did you know that I studied to be an astronaut in college? Did you know that? Oh well, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. I forgot the punchline. I took <laughs> up. I took up space. That's right, that was yeah. it, Dan.
4: <laughs> Dan you oh, down, down. You let me down, Dan.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I got to do it.
4: Oh darn. Okay, number two. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld wrote the book titled "A Assignment." It's spelled A S E I N M E N T. Released in 1993. Assignment. Oh,
6: that, that sounds ridiculous.
3: Really.
4: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you know. To me, you're it sounded real.
3: It sounds real to me.
4: Assignment.
3: I'm gonna go. S e
4: i n. I'm like gonna go. Seinfeld. I'm gonna go with real. No, it's ridiculous. Oh, I man. just am very clever.
3: <laughs> Jeez, this is for you, Dan. <laughs>
6: We got him, Dan. We got him.
4: (laughs) All right, I feel better now. We can finish the night. Number three. He is the creator and host of the web series Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee.
6: Wow.
3: That is, that's real. Yeah, that's real.
4: That is real. That is all absolutely right. right. But I'm fine with that because Carl got one wrong. We broke a streak <laughs> and the best news of the night is you're the winner, Dan. <laughs> so oh. you've won a Lou Malnati's gift certificate. Lou Malnati's is home of Chicago's best deep dish pizza. Our favorite deep dish yeah. pizza here at WGN Radio Theater. We order it often. <laughs> you can find one of their 40 But we pl-
3: pay for it. We
4: do, yeah. right? We have like
3: no benefits at all. We have to pay for for our pizza. We, we do. And I don't have a weather maker. I don't have a weather maker.
4: Well, I can work on that for you. We've...
3: I have a question for Lisa.
4: Sure.
7: You know, Carl refers to you as vivacious. What he word does. would you use to describe Carl?
4: Oh, Uh-oh. that's dangerous. Uh
3: oh. <laughs> uh oh. Come on. Um, on.
4: Well, tonight.
3: Hmm. Mm, tonight, mm. why it changes? It, it cha- changes. You know, it
4: kind of changes because he has a lot of different moods.
3: Oh boy.
2: So I thought maybe doofus might work. I didn't know uh, no. which one. No.
4: Oh, I'm gonna have oh, to. No, yeah, that no, works. That, be, that works. No, for me. I don't. That wouldn't be my word. <laughs> no, I'm gonna have to sleep on it. You know, he's almost okay. I've got one. He's almost like a savant. You know Ooh. what I mean? Because he is extremely intelligent in the area of classic radio, and that's
3: it. And right. and
4: a little deficient in some other areas. So it's sort of a savant is what I'd call him. Does that work?
3: <laughs> okay.
4: I'll go well, with That's that. what you
3: know when you're in space a lot, like I was. Right.
4: It kind of you know, fools being an rain, astronaut right? for
3: all that time. That's what <laughs> happens. <laughs> up a lot of space. Yeah. Took <laughs> up a lot of space. <laughs> and so, but
4: I do want to make sure to get the promo in because Lumel Notties sponsored this segment. They gave you the gift certificate. So Lumel Notties is home of Chicago's best deep dish pizza. Find one of their forty-plus Chicagoland locations or order online. Where
3: Carl? Ah, dot com.
4: That's the one. So congratulations. Thanks so much, Dan. It was so great talking to you.
3: Okay, thanks, guys. Enjoy way the to go! Pizza. Have a
4: great morning. Dan's a
3: big winner. He's got a pizza coming his way. Have a pizza on us. We never get a pizza on us. I
4: know, but we would come over if you had a pizza. <laughs> so that's close.
3: Like we order Lumel Nadi's pizzas do. here sometimes. We, we do. pay for them.
4: We do, but well, it's worth. I shouldn't no, say we you pay. For I them. pay for them. Yeah, but it's worth it because yeah, I enjoy well, them. They're
3: good. That's why. <laughs> and we usually get spinach.
4: Yeah, I like that.
3: Yeah. All right. Well, it's time for my friend Irma. Great situation comedy series. This uh show was set in Manhattan, and it came to radio in 1947, lasted all the way to 1954. There were movies and a TV series also. Marie Wilson starred as Irma Peterson. She was a dim-witted blonde stenographer, and her roommate, was Jane Stacy, played by Kathy Lewis. Now, Irma's boyfriend, Al, was played by John Brown. He was kind of a deadbeat. And Jane's boyfriend was a millionaire banker, Richard Rhinelander, played by Leif Erickson. The series was created by Cy Howard, who also brought us Life with a Luigi. So uh, let's tune this in. Let's go back to April 26, 1948. It's called the Manhattan Magazine. Here's Marie Wilson in part one of My Friend Irma.
10: Jane? Jane? Yes, Irma, what is it? I can't understand why I was five pounds overweight when I stood in the scales. I told you why. You had that heavy purse in your hand. Well, not the second time, Jane. I hung it over my shoulder. (laughs) Well, that's what you can expect when you listen to My Friend Irma.
6: Friendship, friendship,
2: friendship. Just a perfect friendship when other
12: friendships have been forgotten. Theirs will still be hot. Lever Brothers Company, makers of Swan, the soap with the exclusive Super Creamed Blend presents.
10: Our friend Swan with my friend
12: Irma. Starring Marie Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane. <laughs>
10: o'clock Saturday. The noon whistles have just blown and me, little Jane Stacy, I'm going to do the same. Because as far as the Rhinelander Investment Company is concerned, they can take their job and till Monday morning. (laughs) So I covered my typewriter, opened my purse, examined my shopping list, looked at my paycheck, tore up my shopping list, (laughs) kicked my typewriter, slammed the door, and I'm off. Which reminds me. Irma Peterson is waiting for me on 42nd Street. Oh, little boy, you ought to be ashamed of yourself smoking a cigar in broad daylight.
6: Oh,
2: hello, lady. I'm old enough to be your father.
10: Don't you dare sit there and talk to me that way.
2: Ah, look, lady, I ain't sitting. I happen to be a singer midget, and I'm tall for my age.
10: Just a minute, Sonny. Now,
2: listen, ladies. Stop annoying me or I'll climb up over this curb and let you have it. (laughs) Our dames are always trying to pick me up.
10: (laughs) Irma. Irma. Oh, hello, Jane. Oh, you been waiting long, honey? Not by my watch. It stopped. (laughs) Oh, Jane, I had a terrible experience with a little boy smoking a black cigar... I'm sure he wasn't any more than two feet old. Oh. (laughs) Irma, why is it that these things only happen to you? No one else. Come on, honey, let's go shopping, huh? Jane. Jane. What's the matter, honey? Jane, I feel two eyes in my back. Irma, we've just passed an optometrist sign. (laughs) Don't cause a scene, please. Oh, but Jane, I, I think we're being followed. Look back, I'm scared. Oh, Irma, you're just being silly, but I'll... uh, I'll... Mm, Irma, someone is following us. Jane, what'll we do? Well, well, let's turn up this side street, see if he follows. Come on. Look back. Look back, Irma. No, Jane, you look back. All right. Irma, he's still following us. Now I'm getting worried. uh, uh, Don't be scared, Jane. Uh, You know the saying, two's company, three's a crowd... So as long as we're in a crowd, nothing can happen. Come on, please, honey, let's run. Maybe we can shake him. Not me, Jane. I wouldn't touch him with a ten-foot pole. (laughs) Irma? Irma? I have a feeling he's catching up with us. Hurry up, honey. Come on, hurry. Hurry. Irma, what are you doing with that handkerchief? I'm going to drop it. Why? Well, if he's a masher, you'll think I'm flirting with him. And when he bends over to pick it up, you hit him and I'll kick him and then we'll both run. (laughs) That sounds like a good idea, honey. Maybe it'll work. Drop the handkerchief. All right. There.
9: Uh, pardon me. Did you ladies drop this handkerchief? Yes. Well, here it is.
10: Oh, Jane, it didn't work. He picked it up with his cane.
5: (laughs) I've been
9: following you young ladies for several blocks.
10: That's evident.
9: Oh, I apologize. You see, I'm a photographer, and...
10: Oh, sure, yeah, I know. You're a photographer, and you thought we were so beautiful that you want to take pictures of us, send us to Hollywood, and give us a contract to play opposite Gabby Hayes.
9: <laughs> oh, no, no, you got me all wrong. I know this is a very unprofessional approach, and I don't blame you for being suspicious. So, uh, here's my name and my card.
10: Uh, Jack Verrell, Chief Photographer, Manhattan Magazine.
9: I know you've heard of our magazine. Yes. Well, you see, I've been assigned to do a series of pictures of typical young working girls, so I'd like to take some pictures of you.
10: Oh, Jane, isn't it wonderful? You'll be on the cover of a magazine. Imagine my best girlfriend for only 15 cents.
6: (laughs)
9: 20 in Canada. Now, there's no sense in discussing it further at this time, Uh, You check on the legitimacy of my offer, and if you're interested, I'd appreciate it if you'd give me a ring later today. Goodbye.
10: Bye. Gee. Irma, do you think he's a phony? Well, I I don't know, Jane, but let's go home and ask... Well, no. (laughs) No question about it. If he's a phony, he'll turn out to be Al's best friend. (laughs)
13: It's only me, Professor Kropotkin. (laughs) Hello, Janie and Irma, my two little ballet dancers. One on her toes, the other still spinning. (laughs) Excuse me, a little joke I picked up from a dying swan.
10: (laughs) Oh, Professor, Jane has a chance to be a photographer's model. Shouldn't she take it?
13: Why not? Name me two prettier girls in all of New York than my two little sweethearts.
10: Oh, Professor, that's sweet of you. Well, I know beauty when I see it.
13: Uh-huh. Don't misjudge me just because I go around with Mrs. O'Reilly. <laughs> you know, many a man who likes steak has to be satisfied with hash. <laughs> oh,
6: Professor,
10: I, I don't think you should describe Mrs. O'Reilly that way.
13: You're right, Irma. She's not hash. She's more on the order of pig's knuckles. <laughs> But, but I like her. She's got a good heart. When I'm sick, she makes me a little soup, and and that saves my life, because I know if I don't get out of bed, her soup is going to kill me.
6: <laughs> but,
13: Jamie, dear, I think this will be a good opportunity for you. I want to wish you lots of luck. And now i got to leave, because Mrs. O'Reilly is taking me for a walk in the Bowery.
10: The Bowery? That's a terrible place.
13: As I know, but she wants some ideas on how to redecorate my room. <laughs> Only one person in an apartment house has got the nerve to knock like that the landlady. Come in, Mrs. O'Reilly.
11: Hello, girls. Hello, Professor.
10: Oh, Mrs. O'Reilly, maybe you could help me. I'd like to ask your advice. Uh, I've got a chance to pose as a photographer's model. Do you think I should accept it?
13: What are you asking her for? What does she know?
10: How dare you say that, Professor? I'll have you know I used to be a model myself in my younger days.
13: Your model? What for, the monitor or the Merrimack?
11: (laughs) Oh, go along with you. As a girl, I had a very attractive figure. And I wore me bustle at a rakish angle. (laughs) In fact,
10: people used to mistake me for Anna Held.
13: I see what you mean. Where Anna Held, you bulge. (laughs) Come along, Mrs. O'Reilly. Let Janie decide for herself.
10: Well, I guess you're right, Professor. After all, Janie's got a good head on her shoulders. Uh, She's not like a... Oh, goodbye, Irma. Bless you, you're a lovely girl. Irma, I've made up my mind, and I've got a hunch. I'm going to call up the magazine and check on Mr. Varel right now. Oh, good for you, Jane. (laughs) Oh, Jane, if it works out well for you, then maybe you could get me a job, too. Uh, then we could model twin things like a two-way stretch. <laughs> you could stretch one way and I could stretch the other. <laughs> Gran, you'll be in Scotland before me. Hello. Hello, Manhattan Magazine. D- do you have a Mr. Varel there? Oh, he's head of your photographic department? Y- yes, I- I'd like to speak with him, thank you. Irma, he's not a phony. Not, not a. H- hello? Hello, Mr. Burrell. Uh, uh, th- this is Miss Stacy, the young lady you gave the card to this morning. Uh, yes, yes, I know now it's a legitimate proposition, but you can't blame a girl for being suspicious. Y- yes, I'd very much like to model for you. What's that? You'll come over tonight? A- at my place? Oh, you have a deadline to make. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it'll be all right. Yes, at eight o'clock. Fine. I live at 8224 West 73rd Street, Apartment 3B. See you at 8. Goodbye. Oh, Irma, he's coming here tonight to shoot the picture. He says he has a deadline. Oh, my gosh. I I have no idea what to wear. Oh, Jane, don't be silly for a deadline. You'd wear black. (laughs) Thank you, Irma Peterson. Well, now that I've decided to do it, gee, I've got to look my best. And, Irma, please note, I don't want anything to go wrong. Understand? Oh, don't worry. Uh, Jane, uh, why don't you wear your gray pleated skirt? I'll be glad to press it for you. Uh, no thanks, honey. Well, why can't I press it for you? Because I remember how it looked the last time you pressed it. (laughs) You see, Irma, pleats are supposed to run up and down, not across. (laughs) Well, Jane, there must be something I can do. I know. I'll fix your hair. How? So it'll never grow again? (laughs) Well, I... I I could brush your suede shoes. Like you did the last time, with my hairbrush? (laughs) Well, how about No? Gosh, Jane, can I even do your nails? No, honey, I I didn't like the way you did them last time. I I happen to be one of those persons who likes only one point on each nail. (laughs) Come in
14: Hiya, chicken Hello, Jane
10: Hi, Al Excuse me, will you? I've got to get my things together
14: What are you so excited about, Jane? Don't run off want to tell you about my new deal
10: (laughs) No, thanks, Al I do not care to hear about your deal It can have no effect on me whatsoever I already have the jitters Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to get dressed
14: Jane's never interested in me or my work.
10: Al, I'd love to hear your new deal.
14: Ah, thanks, chicken. Always can depend on you. And you won't go wrong, because this one will make all our dreams come true. It's a campaign button with a picture of Truman wearing a button with a picture of Stassen, wearing a button with a picture of Wallace, wearing a button with a picture of MacArthur. So you don't have to commit yourself in front of the wrong people.
3: Wow, that joke would work really well today.
4: Right. <laughs> right.
3: Yes, and it that, would, Lisa. I mean, shows
4: how times have a changed.
3: Yeah, all right. Well that's the first portion of My Friend Irma, going back to April 26, 1948. We'll get back to it in just a moment.
2: Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf.
3: All these uh, wonderful classic radio shows that you hear every Saturday and Sunday night, they're from our library of over 100,000 shows, and we uh, take 10 shows. We carefully choose 10 shows every single month and send them to our classic radio club members. And uh, these 10 shows come to you, if you remember, on five CDs in a collector case with pictures of the stars on there, different color each month and uh, there's liner notes, or you can get them digitally sent to you, 10 shows in your uh, computer, and you can listen to to them on any listening device. You also get the liner notes. And the uh, Classic Radio Club is a club that Lisa and uh, I and Mike, we formed for our listeners so we can send the best of the best of these 100,000 Classic Radio shows to our members each and every month. Now, uh, we've decided that for the first month, We only want to charge a dollar just so you can hear the quality and experience being part of the club. So, if you go to our website, you can get your first 10 classic radio shows for only one dollar. And you can cancel if you don't want to continue. You can cancel at any time. Um, You'll never get a duplicate show. And I think you'll really enjoy being part of the club. And there's like tons of people that have uh, written testimonials at the website. And we have hundreds and hundreds of members, right, Lisa? Right.
4: And we have some people who started out with the CDs and changed the digital membership. So whatever works for you. I know Mike likes the CDs and I prefer the digital membership. I keep the links and I'd rather store them on my computer. But I know some people appreciate the collector case with the color photos and you know, that's fine too. So either way, the, uh, radio shows are amazing and it uh, kind of opens up a world to you. Not only do you um, hear and appreciate some of the shows that you may already be familiar with or some of the series, but you'll uh, hear some gems that Carl has chosen that you may not know and kind of introduce you to a whole new world of classic radio.
3: Yeah, I think well, c- well coming up in a couple of months, we, I work a little bit in advance because we have to have the CDs made and all that. There's a, the, Mike and I were talking about there's a Bob Hope show coming up that it's like 38 minutes long, or 42 minutes long, or something like that. It was they gave Bob some extra time on uh, that week to talk about a sponsor or whatever it was. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember now, but. You know that's a that's an unusual show, a thirty-eight minute Bob Hope show. Um, other ones, you know, that have uh, special stars, Humphrey Bogart, maybe big movie stars on on programs. So we we carefully choose ten really great shows each and every month, and we send them to you if you are a Classic Radio Club member. Now, how do you join? How do you learn about it? Just go to our website, log on to Classic Radio Club. It's all there, ClassicRadioClub.com. Try it out for a month. It's only a dollar. You'll get ten of the greatest shows. And, in fact, that first month you get uh, Evan Costello with the Who's On First. You get uh, Inner Sanctum. You get a Fibber McGee and Molly, a Jack Benny, a Whistler, a Gunsmoke. You get some great shows the very first month, and then every month after that.
4: And you get great shows every single month. That's true. <laughs> Not you just do. the first month.
3: Absolutely true. Yeah, so check it all out, folks. It's a club that we formed, and hundreds and hundreds of your fellow listeners are members, and it's growing every single day. Go to ClassicRadioClub.com. All right, let's get back now to My Friend Irma.
10: Dal, you're the smartest man I know. Here's a kiss.
14: Let's have it. Hello, chicken. Why do you always say hello when I kiss you?
10: Well, sometimes I think it's all a dream, but when you answer me, I know you're there.
14: (laughs) Someday I'll be there with you for life.
10: Well, but until then, I wish there was some glamour in my life, like what happened to Jane. What happened to Jane? Well, she's going to be a photographer's model. Oh, I envy her.
14: Oh, Chicken, get that notion out of your head. I ain't marrying no career girl. I know where these things lead. First you're a model, then you win a beauty contest, then you become a chorus girl. I don't want our kids to say, Hey, Pop, give me a quarter for the show I want to go see Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, I never looked at it that way. Well, Chicken, how about you and me taking a little walk, huh?
10: Well, any other time, Al, but right now I've got to go in and help Jane.
14: Ah, she won't appreciate it.
10: No, Al. Jane needs me. After all, without me, things can go wrong, and I should be there to make sure.
14: (laughs) Okay, we'll pick you up later tonight, and we'll go to a movie.
10: Uh, Jane? Can I come in? Al is gone. Come on in, honey. Oh, I see you have all your clothes laid out on the bed. Yeah. Yeah, that's because I want to know where everything is. That includes you. Now, uh, please don't touch anything. Ah, oh, but you know, I want to help. Isn't there anything I can do, like pluck your eyebrows? No, honey. No, you did that once before, and when you were finished, everyone thought I worked for the telegraph company.
6: <laughs>
10: I had three dots and a dash over each eye.
6: <laughs>
10: Irma, sweetie, I, I don't want anything to go wrong. I want to look my very best for the picture, so just sit in that chair over in the corner and watch. Oh, Jane, gee, there must be some little thing I could do. I feel so useless and empty inside. <laughs> All right, honey. All right, there is something you can do. Bring me the little table lamp in the front room, huh? I need more light. Well, thank you, Jane. Now, let's see. Um, here's the table lamp. I'll just gently pick it up. Irma! Irma, the lights went out in here. What happened? <laughs> I don't know, Jane. They went out in here, too. (laughs) Well, here I am, Manhattan Magazine's prospective glamour girl sitting in total darkness with my beloved (laughs) roommate. But as dark as this room is, I don't think it begins to compare with the blackout which is Irma's mind. (laughs) She had to blow a fuse. (laughs) Just when there's no one in the entire building to help us, and just when I'm on the brink of the greatest opportunity a girl ever had. You know I should be crying? Doesn't work that way. Irma is the one that's crying. (laughs) Oh, Will would, would you just please, please stop that whimpering? So you didn't mean to blow the fuse. All right, I forgive you.
6: That's not why
10: I'm crying. Then why are you crying? I'm afraid of the dark. Oh. <laughs> For goodness sakes, don't be a child. We're three floors up. Now, who could get in here? A tall second-story man. Jane. Where are you? Near the fireplace, honey. Where are you? I
6: think I'm in it.
10: (laughs) It's very warm. Irma, that's the radiator.
6: Oh, oh, Jane, I'm scared.
10: Honey, please stop that crying and help me get out of this spot, please. Run down to the drugstore and get a box of fuses. All right, Jane, but I can't see where the door is. Oh, yeah, well... Uh, uh, just figure out where in the room you're standing. Oh, I can't. I'm so frightened and nervous. My hands are dripping with perspiration. Well, stand still, and I'll feel my way over to you. Irma, your hands are in the goldfish bowl. (laughs) An awful lot of fingers (laughs) Now, 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 where's the door? Oh, it's so dark Well, honey, just just walk ahead And and turn when you get to the couch Jane, Jane, the walls are closing in on me Irma, you're in the closet (laughs) Oh, honey, come on I'll show you the door Now, 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 get the fuses, Irma He'll be here any minute Uh, I'll be right back, Jane
14: Hi, Chicken. What's the big hurry?
10: Hello, Al. I blew out the fuse and Janie's trying to get dressed for the photographer and I'm uh, I'm on my way to buy a fuse.
14: Well, ain't necessary, Chicken. In an emergency like this, there's only one man to call. Who, Al? Who else but... Hello, Joe. (laughs) Al, got a problem. What do you know about electricity? Uh Uh-huh. 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 Mm-hmm. You refuse to discuss the subject? It has taken four members of your family?
6: (laughs) Well, how,
14: Joe? Oh, it came suddenly. They were all sitting in a chair at the time. (laughs) Understand and respect your feelings, Joe. We'll handle it myself. Gotcha. Goodbye, Joe. Chicken, know what to do. Let's go down to the master control box downstairs. We'll fix everything.
10: Well, do you know anything about electricity?
14: All there is to know. Follow me. You see, Chicken, if a man ain't handy around the house, he can't call himself a man. For instance, the other day, the hotel shut off my lights on a little technicality. I didn't pay the rent. <laughs> so what do I do? I rig up my lights to the hotel sign outside my window. Does it work? I don't know. i just like the sign.
6: <laughs> well,
14: here we are, Chicken. Here's the master control box. Oh, well, but you haven't got a fuse. Don't need a fuse. Just put a penny in like this.
10: Al, do you notice how dark it is? Now all the lights are out.
14: How do you like that? Force a habit. Use the slug instead of a penny. (laughs) But it's easily fixed. There must be another fuse box up in your apartment we can take care of. Oh,
10: yes, in the kitchen closet. It's full of pipes and switches. A field day. Let's go. Gee, Al... Doesn't it seem a crime? Why? We spent so much money on the tunnel of love, and now we have all this darkness for nothing, we waste it.
14: (laughs) Uh, Realize the opportunity, Chicken, but uh, someone is liable to slug us in the dark. It'll be Jane with a baseball bat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here we are. Jane, where are you?
10: That's you, Al. I'm in the shower, and I haven't got a minute to waste.
14: We'll have everything fixed immediately. Handyman, you know. All right, Chicken, where's that fuse box?
10: Uh, Right over here, Al. Uh
14: Uh-huh. Don't even have a match, but know my way around these things. Yeah. Now let's see. These pipes must be feeder pipes. Feel a little loose. Oh, here's a wrench. We'll tighten them up. Any results, Jane?
10: Yeah, the water stopped running. <laughs> I'm not out here. My feet are getting wet.
6: <laughs>
10: oh, for heaven's sake!s Now I can't get the soap off me. We'll fix it in a minute.
14: Now, let me see. There should be a loose wire around here. See if you can feel around for it, chicken.
10: A loose wire? Oh, here's one. Oh, oh wait, it's stuck. I'll, I'll give it a few yanks. Here.
14: Thanks. <laughs> huh, no results.
10: Listen, the two of you, I'm going to catch pneumonia. I don't know what you're up to, but you call the electric company at once, do you hear?
14: Logical suggestion, chicken. Do what she says.
10: All right. Oh, Al, I pulled the wrong wire. (laughs) The phone doesn't work now. Oh, what are the two of you up to? The lights don't work, the water doesn't work, now the phone doesn't work. I can't even commit suicide because I'm sure the gas doesn't work either. (laughs) Oh, Irma, what'll I do? How can they take pictures of me? I'm covered with soap. I got in an old robe and my hair's a mess. Well, answer me, the two of you Where are
8: you?
14: So the evening shouldn't be a total loss Me and Chicken are sitting here on the sofa
10: (laughs) Oh, no If that's Mr. Varel from Manhattan Magazine You tell him I'm sick I have left town Come in Welcome, who are you? Oh, it's me and the professor girls My, what's happened to all the lights? Irma blew the fuse and Al helped her with the rest. <laughs> just when I'm expecting some—oh, how dreadful to be stranded in the dark like this!
13: Now that all depends on how you view it. To me, Missus O'Reilly, you have never looked more beautiful.
10: <laughs> but, oh, quiet, Professor. We better hurry out and find some fuses. Oh no, it's too late. He'll be here any minute, and I'm just a mess. Well,
11: there's no time to waste. Come on, Professor. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, it's. <laughs> Oh, it's
6: so dark on the staircase <laughs> Give me your hand, Professor <laughs>
13: Positively not. You're liable to enjoy it And I know you You're just the kind who will go around Blowing out fuses
6: <laughs> Jane
10: Jane What do you want? I can't see your face Are you mad at me? No I feel like throwing a party for you. (laughs) For you and that fugitive from an honest dollar.
14: (laughs) That must be me. Now look here, Jane. No,
10: be still, the two of you. You just ruined everything. But we're sorry, Jane. You're always sorry. You were sorry when you plucked all the gray hairs out of my silver fox because you thought it looked too old. (laughs) (laughs) When you cut out the front of my best evening gown Because you read that midriffs were in style (laughs) You're
6: always sorry
10: Oh, look, Jane, the lights went on Al, get out of the (laughs) icebox Jane Jane, I have something to tell you What? You look a mess (laughs) No kidding. I know my hair is a mess and my face is covered with soap and I'm wearing an old bathrobe. You don't have to tell me. Oh, that's the photographer. What should I do, Jane? It doesn't matter. Tell him I'm sick. I went out of town. My grandfather died. Who is it?
9: Mr. Farrell. I'm here to photograph Miss Stacy.
10: Jane is dead. (laughs) She went out of town to see her sick grandfather. Holy chicken.
14: Let the guy in. Tell him the truth. Hello.
10: Oh, oh, Mr. Varell, I'm so sorry. You see... Hey,
14: hold it, hold it. Perfect.
10: Perfect?
9: (laughs) Yes, perfect. How'd you think of the get-up? (laughs) Get-up? Oh, I'm so glad you understand what we're after. Manhattan Magazine doesn't want fancy poses. We want realism. And I've got just the slant for the picture. Manhattan Magazine visits the average American girl on Saturday night when she starts getting dressed for her date. We'll shoot you from the tub to the trocadero. You'll be sensational.
10: Oh, isn't it wonderful, Jane? Your picture's going to be on all the magazine stands. Yeah, soap suds and all. (laughs) Well, you should be glad. At least everybody will know you had a bath. (laughs) You know, it's things like that that make me want to shower my affections on the head of my friend, Irma.
12: (laughs) Well, ladies, don't wander far from your radios right now because we have two grand pieces of news for you. First, listen.
10: Have you heard about the exciting aluminumware offer? It's the offer being made by Lux Flakes, Rinso, Lux Toilet Soap, Lifeboy, Silver Dust, Spry, and Swan Soap. And it's wonderful.
12: Yes, ladies, your dealer can help you get some modern, heavy gauge aluminumware for your kitchen. You save from 33 and a third to 50% on this offer. You get a set of two 8-inch cake pans worth $1.15 for only 75 cents. Or you can get a 2-quart saucepan or a 9-inch frying pan worth $2 each for only $1 apiece. Your dealer can give you all the details.
10: Yes. Ask your dealer about the Lever Aluminum wear offer. He'll tell you how to get in on it.
12: And now, ladies, here are the names of the grand winners in the fifth and final week of the $100,000 Lever Fur Contest. First prize, a $3,000 mink coat or the cash, goes to Mrs. Leon L. Bagley of Cornish, New Hampshire. Congratulations! The second prize winners are Grace R. Hosfeld of Lacey Park, Hatboro, Pennsylvania, Mrs. A. V. Debert of Bethesda, Maryland, Mrs. Ernest W. Blair of Tampa, Florida. You each win a beautiful $1,000 fur coat or the cash. Nice going! The other 325 winners will be notified by mail. Don't forget, ladies, ask your dealer about the Lever Aluminumware offer tomorrow. My friend Irma presented by Swan, another fine product of Lever Brothers Company, was produced and directed by Cy Howard. Tonight's script was written by Cy Howard and Park Levy. Folks, next Monday evening, listen again to...
10: Our friend Swan. With my friend Irma.
12: Starring Marie Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane, the part of Professor Kropotkin was played by Hans Conried. Frank Bingman speaking. Tune in next week, one hour earlier, and listen to the Lux Radio Theater, immediately followed by My Friend Irma. This is CBS, where 99 million people gather every week, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
3: Those are a lot of fun. My friend Irma from April 26, 1948, the Manhattan Magazine show with Marie Wilson as uh, Irma Peterson. Very funny show as heard on CBS.